Welcome to the Lens Podcast, where we talk about current events, news, family, church, and life from a biblical worldview. We want to help people think about these things through the lens of the Bible. I'm your producer, David Wiseman, and here are your hosts, Brian and Brian. Hey, welcome to the Lens Podcast. We're glad to have you with us today. My name is Brian Hansen, And I'm Brian Solomon. And as is our practice, we've got three segments we roll through every time we get together. We call these segments A View of the World, Your Place in the World, and finally, What in the World. So those are our three segments Brian, what's our topic for today? Well, we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking at using as a platform to jump off of, and that's the the main event that happened this past Saturday, and that is the coronation of a new king that's over right. in England, uh, uh, Britain. Um, but uh, yeah, so I actually, to full disclosure, I didn't watch one second second of it. Uh, I watched a few. Okay, and, and I watched some recap. But boy, oh boy, uh, the headlines have been filled with uh, details about the coronation. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, I was uh, I was obeying the uh, the structure in our house. You know, the queen says uh, you need to paint, so I was painting, <laughs> and I wasn't watching the uh, the coronation. But it is fascinating. I yeah. I, I do enjoy uh, that. I, I probably would have liked to have watched some of it, but I have caught uh, a bunch of follow up mm-hmm. on it, and uh, and so I mean, starting out, the, the one thing that I heard was that they were going to pare it down uh, from what it's been in the past, and, and recognizing, I think. It's been what did I? I think I heard seventy years. Seventy years since the last coronation. Yeah, since the queen was coronated, and so I think if I understand it right, that coronation was like seven or eight hours long, and they pared this one down to somewhere around four hours, right? <laughs> so, and it's can you imagine? By the way, can you just imagine? You know the um, the 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 British people and and uh, the ceremonies as we were talking about earlier. They are they are fine tuned. Like there is not one thing that happens that is not planned to be happen. Uh, can you imagine being the person that is in charge, David, <laughs> of of making sure that every single detail, not one thing, has been overlooked? Uh, oh my goodness! Yeah, so much planning, so many details. Uh, you've got to uh, take into consideration some of the historical. Uh, precedents that have been done, musical selections that are 300 years old. Oh, yeah. But when you think about the the monarchy in, in the United Kingdom, we're talking about a monarchy that's lasted about a thousand years. A thousand years. That's I was, remarkable. I was amazed at that, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, this thing is historical. It's, it's a spectacle. It's uh, filled with splendor. And uh, I think I read somewhere that the king's crown uh, was not just gold-plated, but it that sucker was solid gold. Really? Uh, it's like a 300-year-old crown. Uh, that that he is uh, coronated with, but you know the, some of the the details about it all. Uh, there were pieces of the coronation verbiage language that uh, s- certainly sound biblical, uh, and one could say they were biblical. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so uh, just to, to that point, I heard that a lot of the songs that were sung, old hymns of the faith, uh, number one, and that there was so much scripture that was read going back from the King James translation, you know, just over and over. So um, I was listening to Al Mohler's podcast this morning called The Brief. 
the briefing, the briefing, and um, and he was he was talking about how much scripture was read and how the 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 world that was tuning in probably heard more gospel message in that <laughs> in that coronation than perhaps many people have heard in their whole lives, yeah. right? So really interesting, but you know, so that is that's kind of. Um, a view of the world that we just jumped into and, and did a did a water ski over. But if, if that's what's going on in the world, if that's the view of the world and everything is taking place in it, let's take that and let's jump into what is your place in the world. So, Brian, from the outsider perspective, if you're one of the millions and millions, I don't know how many millions of viewership that they had, but if you were looking in at this, uh, you could probably fall in one of two camps. One camp would say, this is great. You know, this is a, a, um, a transfer of power. This is the head of uh, the political authority, as it is in England, uh, you know, it was just a great spectacle. They loved it. They they just they they thank the world of it. That's one camp. Then you have the other camp that says, "I hate this. You know, th- this is this is government. This is evil. This is where this is where the evil one resides." And um, and and so there's this there's this conflict of of worldview as people look at. At government in general, we use we use that as a platform to jump off of that that coronation. Mm-hmm. But uh, when people think of government in general, what are they thinking of? What how, how do they view it? Well, they say that there's what two things that are certain in life: uh, death and taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when people think about government, they often think about taxes. Right. Some think about government through the lens of programs and entitlements. Yeah. Hey, it's the well, government's certainly. duty to provide a measure of care for um, those who are poor, those who are sick and indigent, homeless. Uh, some look at the border crisis and say, hey, you know, the government's job is to, at least the American government's job is to provide a pathway towards citizenship for any of the world's population who wants to cross over our border. Others would say, hold on a second, the role of government is to uh, secure those borders and make sure that nefarious people don't come into our, our country. Uh, some would look at government as, uh, as, a, as a means of, of uh, passing good laws, enforcing good laws. We've heard uh, lines in slogans like law and order, uh, it's the duty of government to pass laws, enforce them, and to create societal order. A uh, lot of things, a lot of perspectives as it relates to government. Yeah. And so as a, as a Christian, as a God follower, as one who believes in the authority of the Holy Scriptures— um, it's not silent on this on this subject, and it um, it it is authoritative, and it makes some statements that we really have to take as authoritative and and have a correct view on it. So the question is, um, this this whole uh, institution of government, uh, what does God have to say about it? Uh, is it something that God is also annoyed at and wished that there was not government, you know, so that his his kingdom could reign? Or is God behind it? Or did 
Here's one. Did God establish it? And so let, let, let's talk about that a little bit today. What what are God's institutions, and where does where does the whole idea of the state or the government fall into it? Well, I think First Peter chapter two verses thirteen to fifteen are helpful in understanding this idea of institution. Um, <clears throat> First Peter says, "Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution." whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him, for such is the will of God. You know, Christians are rightly concerned about the will of God. But when you walk through the halls of churches, sometimes people uh, treat the will of God like a, like a hidden treasure. It's like, man, I, I just I want to know what God's will is for my life. I want to do God's will, but I mean, is it God's will for me to marry this person? Or is it God's will for me to take this job? Or is it God's will to do this or that or whatever? Well, uh, there are clear indications in scripture, in scripture what God's will is. And one of them is attached to this idea of, of institution or human institution. You know, it's uh, interesting, Brian, the, the Bible uh, talks about uh, institution in connection with two words— authority and submission. Mm-hmm. And when you do a deep dive into this idea of, of submit, uh, submit uh, comes from a, a Greek word, hupotasso, which means to place oneself under. It's, uh, I, I see an, an authority and I'm going to put myself underneath that authority. Um, the other Greek word, a attached to this passage as it relates to institution is this Greek word. It's actually a compound word, uh, Brian, and I'm no Greek scholar, but, but uh, we've got lexicons and helpful aids yeah. uh, now these days, but Logos. Yeah, that's right. Anthropine katise is a Greek compound word, which literally means that which God has created for man or for mankind, what is created and when we do a deep dive into First Peter, we can see that God has actually created for man institutions, and then that begs the question, for what? Yeah. What are those institutions supposed to do? What are they exactly? Well, when you, when you survey the landscape of the Bible, the scriptures talk about at least five institutions that are designed by God to work in concert with one another— for the restraint of evil, and for human flourishing. And so, pop quiz, Brian, what are those five oh, Brian, what are you doing to me? Okay, so I'll, I'll start out in here, and, and you fill in the blanks. Okay. So, one, we have the church. Okay. Uh, so, uh, that that is established uh, by God for uh, our relationship uh, with, with um, fellow believers and with Jesus being the head of the church. Okay, so we have the church. We have the family. Okay. We have... Two for two. Okay, thank you. We have the state. Okay. That would be government. We have commerce. Yep. um, And we have... Help me out. Marriage. Marriage. How could I forget marriage? Yeah. Five institutions that are designed by God to be unique from one another. Each of these institutions are designed by God to achieve a particular purpose, to do some sort of function for human society. And when we either uh, forget what those institutions uh, are supposed to do, or we're not even mindful that these institutions exist to accomplish a God-ordained goal, uh, we just look at society and say, wow, 
man, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. What is happening? Man, yeah. what? I thought we used to have like shared values and there was, you know, commonality. It seems like there's an uptick in violence. There's an uptick in corruption. There's an uptick in all of these bad things. What is going on right now? And I think to go right back to the beginning, we would say all of societal's problems stem from an erosion of these five God-ordained institutions. Uh, our boss, Ralph Drolinger, wrote a really helpful Bible study for political leaders called God's Institutions and Their Roles on Earth, and folks can find that uh, in the description box below this um, uh, episode uh, or in the episode notes, uh, depending on the platform that you're listening to this podcast. Or you can find the Bible study on capmen.org. Nevertheless, this Bible study is super helpful. It really is. It's foundational. So it is. And and each of the institutions that we look at, they don't play nice with each other. So like if uh, if the government tries to jump into the, the, I think you call it the sandbox of, um, the government jumps into the sandbox of, uh, sandbox of the church, that doesn't work well. No. If the church tries to jump into the sandbox of any other thing, it, do, it doesn't play well. If, if commerce tries to jump into uh, family, it doesn't play well. And so, but, but each of these things alone, if, they're, if they stand alone with the authority of Scripture being their guidepost, they actually work very, very well together. So, so let's, let's hone in on one of the pillars that God has ordained uh, for man's benefit, and that is the the idea, uh, the the institution of state. Yeah. So, oh, go go ahead. Well, so uh, I, I I don't mean to uh, cause a controversy here. I I would. Oh, sure you do. Come I, on. I don't know that I would say that these institutions don't play well with with each other. They're supposed to work in concert with one another. Right. But their lanes are supposed to be unique and separate, distinct, I think is a better way of yeah, describing right. five distinct lanes. But one of those, if one of those cars leaves that lane uh, and veers into the other one, you got big problems. Yeah. And so that's, that's what you're talking about. But thinking about the state um, now, again, an institution is defined by a clear authority and a clear call by the Bible to submit to that authority. So Romans 13, one to three says, every person is to be in subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God, and those which ex exist are established by God. So in the first Peter passage, we see that institutions are created by God for man. They're a gift. Yeah. Uh, Americans have a hard time viewing the state institutionally as a gift. Yeah. We yeah. don't see it that way. We we see we see the the government <laughs> as a as a means that it needs to be reined in. I mean, they're the government's bloated and it some think that the government's not big enough and they need to have a bigger footprint, but that's another conversation. But nevertheless, uh, an institution is designed by God for man. It's a gift. Romans 13 says to submit to the governing authorities for there's no authority except that which comes from God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God and they who, uh, who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear, but for good. Um, do, you, do you want to have no fear of authority? Well, then just do what's good, and you will have praise from the same. And so uh, Paul is saying here, and rem remember, he's writing in the first century. Mm -hmm. He's writing in the days of Nero, 
uh, just an awful, corrupt, depraved emperor. And he's saying, be subject to the governing authorities because those governing authorities come from God. Now, so that's a biblical pat or a, um, a biblical, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, illustration of why it's important to submit to government. But what is the government essentially supposed to do, Brian? What's its purpose? Yeah, well, so this is where I think we jump back into First Peter chapter 2, <clears throat> where it says, "For the what's the purpose? For the punishment of evil and the praise for those who do right. That's right. So the, the role of government, the, the absolute role of government to its core is to punish those evildoers, to to tramp out those who want to do wrong, who want to do evil, who have bad intentions in mind, and it's to promote the the good in humanity. So tamp down the evil, promote being good, promote doing right, and that is, uh, that is one of the um, main roles of government. So he, he says, for such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but but use it as uh, bond slaves of God. And and so many people think, well, if you have rules, you're you're tamping out my freedom. You know, I, I, I can't have fun anymore. I can't, you know, what whatever. But he's he says, no, no, if you live right, that does give you freedom. And I mean, do, do we see that playing out even in, in our culture today, whether it's in the United States or around the world? Because of evildoers, they have to make laws right. that tamp down the evildoers. But the question is, do, do those laws impact everybody else, even the people who do right? Yeah. And so, Brian, just a couple of weeks ago, I was invited to speak at a men's retreat in Southern Ohio, and I, I, I did more than just a water ski over this topic. We kind of did a deep dive and we we searched the scriptures as it relates to each one of these five institutions, not just the institution of state. And so uh, uh, after our this first session, as we were unpacking the uh, institutions, man, I was peppered by questions. Well, what happens? What do you do when the government is uh, passing in or unjust laws? At what point uh, do Christians rise up and rebel and yeah. push against? And uh, I remember I had a, a, a really good conversations with conversation with one particular man, and I said, you know what? It, thinking about life as a parent, we we believe that the Bible um, uh, makes allowances for spanking for correcting a child, not abusing a child, but for spanking a child, and and so spanking a child would be the Mount Everest of child discipline. Where do you go from there? So as soon as you go to spanking, what you've just exhausted all of the tools in your parental disciplinary bag. Likewise, uh, to rebel or push against the government, that's, that seems to be a pretty extreme point of view. However, rather than thinking about pushing or rebelling against the government, as the first thing we ought to do when there's evil and corruption before us, maybe we ought to launch a, a different strategy. Maybe we ought to look at Matthew 28 and the Great Commission 
as the duty of believers. So instead of thinking about rebelling against government, how about we press into government and chase them down in the person of Jesus Christ, point them towards the Savior. So rather than thinking about activism, I'm thinking more about evangelism. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about our political leaders, our governors, our state representatives, our national, our congressmen and our senators. Uh, these people need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I shouldn't be so fast to run to rebel. I ought to run toward these men and women with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when a person repents of their sin, embraces Jesus by faith, the Bible says that they are a new creature in Christ. How can they not then lead and legislate differently because of the gospel. So um, uh, it was a a great weekend, uh, neat time to unpack some of these institutions. But as we think about the institution of the state, there's more to say. Uh, It is worth thinking about some of those questions. When is it the duty of a Christian to stand up and resist the government? Where are those sandbox borders where... uh, uh, people should speak out and resist. Yeah, and I, you know, we've we've wrestled with that even in the the recent years with COVID and mandates and social distancing and masks and and uh, getting your vaccines and I mean, there's there's uh, issues. P- people have thoughts on every side of of those issues, and so that that probably is deserving of a topic for for another day. For but sure. but let's just land the plane here, Brian, and say that. Uh, as we used our platform to look at the coronation of a new king, yep. um, is 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 government evil or is it sanctified? Is it been given to us by God Himself? And uh, I think that we've at least clearly laid the foundation that uh, government itself, the the institution of state of government, is not an evil thing. It's actually been established, ordained. By God, according to to Romans thirteen, right, and um, and so uh, if you ever have any question on that, be assured that um, that there is an institution that was given by God, and it is called the state. It is called the government, given to Caesar. Jesus says, "What is Caesar's?" So he he even recognizes the institution. Hey, Brian, what do you say? Let's jump into our last segment, and that would be what in the world. Brian, uh, on the way to the studio today, you were telling me about a a pretty exciting thing that you and Mandy (laughs) did over the weekend. What did you guys do? Where'd you go? Yeah, well, well, first of all, just let me back up and say I was looking, I was really looking forward to this uh, while I was painting and everything, kind of a nice culmination to a weekend. Um, And I will, hey, can I just give a, a little word of encouragement, just a secret word of encouragement to all the guys out there? Uh, we weren't able to do it when we had kids, but my, my wife, uh, she likes the arts. She likes music and things. And she grew up in that kind of, uh, atmosphere, family atmosphere. Her family was very involved in it. So we'd never done this before. We couldn't ever do it before because our kids were running and we were scrambling with our kids. But what we did was we bought a package for musical broadways. And, um, and so they were built in date nights. You have and season it, tickets. We well, kind of. we do, and and so you can get different packs, just like going to a ball game, like a, a professional you, uh, professional games. You can buy different packets. So I think we bought five or six uh, once a month, and so they're built in dates. So this one was frozen, 
The, it was the musical Frozen. And, uh, you know, you, you watch it with your kids when they're a little younger and stuff. And, of course, those. Oh, let, let it, it go, go, baby. So I got to tell you, Brian, <laughs> best thing ever, <laughs> ever. We loved it. We loved it. And and I, I was going back. I wanted to to get the gal's name that, that sang the uh, the infamous songs uh, on, on this tour. I, I, I couldn't bring it up, but she was spectacular. That's great. Spectacular. So, so. favorite character in the musical? I mean, obviously the oh. vocalist there was awesome, but uh, in the musical itself, who was uh, the favorite character for you? Well, Olaf. Olaf. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, and it was fun how they how they did it. It was kind of like a puppet, and a guy was with them, but you were focused right on Olaf, and it was oh, it was it was just a great piece of entertainment. But I'm telling awesome. you, if you have an opportunity, if if this thing is coming near you, uh, do yourself a favor and buy some tickets for you and your spouse, and go have a a fantastic evening. Out. Man, Brian, that's good advice. That's good advice. We're in a different stage of life. Yeah. And so we were running this weekend. We've got a daughter who's playing AAU basketball, had a tournament in Columbus. And then we had our other daughter who plays club soccer. She had a, uh, a game south of Springboro. And then I officiated a wedding on Saturday. And then our church actually voted on a administrative pastor candidate. And so we had a very, very full weekend. It felt like we were just kind of running from place to place. Uh, and so believe it or not, most people aren't looking to looking forward to Mondays. I was looking forward <laughs> to Monday and uh, kind of getting back into a rhythm. So, but uh, hey, that's uh, what in the world. I think that wraps up our podcast for today. Uh, do you want to sign us off, brother? Hey, we are always glad to have you. Uh, uh, if, you if you like what you hear, go ahead and share us uh, to your to your friends and things on social media. If you have any questions that you would like for Brian and I to discuss, uh, write those in there as well. We're glad that you joined us today on The Lens. Until next time.